and welcome back to my podcast, Christian in Progress. My name is Samuel Perez, and just a little bit about myself, I am a former gay stripper. That's right, you heard that correctly. (laughs) I left behind the homosexual lifestyle to walk with Christ, and this podcast is all about how I do it, why I do it, and to educate people that are like me and people that aren't like me. I want to talk, but I really want to talk about what a life with Jesus looks like in 2020. And nothing is off limits, and I want to be as transparent as I possibly can be. So before we get started, I just want to let everyone know that this podcast is completely free to listen to, and we do accept donations, and we have some awesome rewards and gifts for those who want to become patrons of the podcast. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Podbean, click on the description down below and you'll find the link to become a patron of the podcast, which means you'll be making a regular monthly commitment. And we also have my link tree where you can find resources to give through PayPal, Venmo, or Cash App. So on today's episode, we will be speaking to Nicole Gauss and she grew up with two lesbians as her mom. And eventually she had an encounter that despite her childhood upbringing, she came to Christ. How are you, Nicole? I am good. How are you doing? I'm doing super well. Um, I'm so excited to have you on the show I'm and super to talk excited about this. As well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's just get right into it. Like okay. you had two lesbian moms growing up. Like how did that work? Like did they adopt you? Um, did you have like a dad with the mom? Like what's going on here? What's the situation? I well, I have a mom and a dad, <laughs> and uh, my mother. I would say came out of the closet probably I must have been around two or three because I don't have a memory of my parents together and uh, from there I actually had lived on a a yacht with my dad and my mom and dad had lived on a yacht and my mom moved on the land and she had a partner and as a child I didn't really understand or anything but and I was too young to actually be affected by it so I don't have that divorce effectiveness going on there so but yeah so that's how that's how this story starts. That's really interesting. Okay, so your mom comes out. She's married to your dad. Um, she didn't know previous to that she had feelings for a woman or did this just like spontaneously happen? Like what was going on there? Is she bisexual? Uh, I don't think she's bisexual. Like I'm 100% my mom is not bisexual, but I think she just didn't know. She didn't know, but she said that she got married because, you know, it was kind of the right thing to do back then. And she probably saw, obviously saw something in my father that she loved, right? Um, I don't know what her reasons. Um, she doesn't, she hasn't really disclosed reasons of why she left my father, but it, for some reason, it wasn't because she was a lesbian. It was just for other reasons, maybe just differences, you know, just we, lots of people have a lot of marital differences too, right? On why they divorce, not necessarily for those reasons. But, um, you know, she never explained it to me as a little kid because she knew I wouldn't understand. And she was very respectful of that. Yeah. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. So you had, um, when you were growing up, it wasn't just you and your mom. There is another one of her partners. Like, did she have a long time partner when you guys were growing up or, or was she just a single mom for a while? Uh, no, she had, uh, her first partner who I absolutely love to death. And I, and I still talk to every now and then, um, she just wanted that lifestyle where she has a long life partner. She wasn't into seeing tons of people or living that kind of lifestyle. <clears throat> okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, um, that's really interesting because, um, I feel like a lot of people go through that. Um, we live in today where I feel, well, mostly your mom, she's kind of a rare case because this was a long time ago. This was before, you know, the LGBTQ movement and, mm-hmm. Um, the acceptance of gay people in our society, you know, so largely through, you know, RuPaul's Drag Race or, you know, mainstream yeah. media. I knew but... who RuPaul was when I was a little girl, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because that, I mean, that was kind of like his, oh, yeah. his yeah. era. Yeah. So um, for those of you who don't know who RuPaul is, it's a drag queen. <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, that's, it's really interesting now today. I know there's a lot of people who can relate to your story because, well, now there's a lot more children that are growing up who have uh, a lesbian mom or who have two gay dads. Um, but back then, I'm sure it was much more rare. Um, it wasn't as common. Uh, but it's really interesting, too, because not only do we just have children who are in that um, situation, but we also have uh parents themselves who want to walk away from their traditional marriages. They want to walk away from 
their wife or from their uh, husbands, you know, and they want to go and be in a homosexual relationship. So, um, and as we as Christians, we kind of really need to understand what how God works in that. So that's kind of why I wanted to bring you into the show. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about um, your experiences because especially nowadays, Christians, it's crazy. They want to control everything. And I don't think Mm -hmm. we're meant to control the world. I think we're just supposed to be the salt and the light of the world and we're supposed to love people. But Christians really want to control um, homosexual couples from having children or from starting a family. And... As I, I'm a traditional Christian, obviously, I, I love the Bible, I love scripture, I know that there's beauty in the family, and God did it one way, which was male and female, and there's a reason for that, and there's a reason for the roles in yeah. a traditional, you know, marriage and family, but um, also, secular people are going to be secular people. <laughs> people without God are going to be people without God, and there's nothing we can do to try to stop that. Yeah, especially. We're, we're, it's like regardless if, you know if they're gay or straight or whatever by like if you don't have god <laughs> yeah it's gonna make but your difficult. story your story is a story of hope it's uh someone who was raised with two lesbian moms and still came to christ which seems kind of like um a, a huge surprise to most christians it's like oh we can't give these lesbians a kid or we can't give these uh mm-hmm. two men a kid because they're going to indoctrinate them or they're going to brainwash mm-hmm. them to mm-hmm. make them. It's totally not the case. Yeah. Talk yeah. a little bit about that. Um, well, I, I like, I like to call this uh, old world gay people and new world gay people. So anyone gay from, I don't know, nineties and up, I, if I feel uh, had different parenting and my mom's generation and the lesbians I know from her generation had different parenting, right? Uh, we, we saw, they saw a different society than we have now. Right. So I would be very weary personally. And I'm just saying this very clear that of anyone like nowadays growing up and wanting kids uh, with a gay lifestyle, if their motive is to push their child to become gay. Like there was no lesbian that my mom knew or was around me that pushed their lifestyle on me that said that I would end up gay or the possibility I should end up gay. Uh, they all believed that I would meet a man one day and get married and have children because clearly they knew I wasn't gay, right? Now, it'd be different if a gay people had a gay child. That's completely different. And as a, a gay parent, you would know your child is gay, right? And so yeah. they knew clearly that I was straight as a two-by-four. <laughs> and do, um, you, do you think um, that someone is more prone to be gay if they are in um, a family with uh, a homosexual relationship, like two dads and, and or two lesbian moms. Do you think that that child is more prone to being gay? Um, I the thing is, I was very much alone when it came to being like the only gay or child with the gay parents. Like there was nobody I knew, unless it was out of all the kids I went to. There was one kid, and we didn't talk about it because we didn't want to be made fun of, right? But I was the only one I knew. Like even amongst my mom's friends. And even her homosexual friends, like there was no children. There was no children. And a lot of them, they didn't have access to their their family members uh, because of fear, right? Like if they were, they were already ostracized by their family. So they didn't have, they loved when I came over, they always loved to babysit me. They, they, I was spoiled in that environment because it was no children. Like the gay lifestyle has no children. It just doesn't, right? And so I live that and I know what that environment's like. So the family dynamic is being crushed right now and it is so important. I don't know where kids are going to get that. They're not going to get it in the gay community. Um, And there's a small amount of uh, homosexuals and lesbians who are adopting kids. And we actually know some as well. And they have been amazing parents as best they could, foster children as well. And I don't really believe in denying people if the people have a stable, I mean, all it comes down to your income and your house, like where you live and stuff like that. They don't just throw kids to just whoever, right? And um, I know of one lesbian couple have raised nine boys, nine boys. And if it wasn't for the fact that the main caregiver of the boys was a total like butchy lesbian, she, she is the mom and the dad for those kids. And, um, and a lot of them have alcohol fetal syndrome. They were kids with parents who were drug users and stuff. Right. But 
you know, other than having the disabilities, they are pretty decent kids, you know, and they end up adopting the first one that they fostered, right? So th there's people who care whether they're gay, bi, or straight, right? There's people who do care about children, and I don't think they should be denied. There's plenty of single moms out there not doing a good job or single dads not doing a good job. And just because they're not gay doesn't mean that they're better off, right? Um, kids need love and they need to be validated for their feelings. They need to be lifted up. And if they're not getting that in a straight home, then it's <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we really as Christians, we really have gotten off base of what we're supposed to be doing and trying to yeah. control things that Jesus never asked us to control. Yeah. When I read scripture, um, I really read the commands of Jesus who says, you know, don't throw your pearls at swine. First off, first and foremost, which just basically means don't throw the things that are holy to those who are going to crush it beneath their feet. And that's what it seems like Christianity is trying to do today. Mm -hmm. There's so much of that, especially with the pandemic, um, with the LGBTQ, with the abortion. It's like you're trying to throw your holy morality mm -hmm. to an unholy people who just don't care. No. And Jesus sincerely warns us that we will be trampled. Be careful not to be trampled. It's like mm -hmm. the pearls are going to get destroyed and you're going to get destroyed in the process too because mm -hmm. you're you're basically fighting a losing battle. The the real battle that we need to be fighting is the battle of love and compassion and understanding. So of course I'm for the traditional family like you're for the traditional family. You have a family mm -hmm. of your own now too, right? Yes, I do. I do. <laughs> and you have uh, how many kids? I have two teen teenage boys. And that's beautiful. Yeah. See, like you are a, a huge example that someone can grow up in a homosexual family yeah. and not be homosexual and yeah. still follow Christ, which is the most important because it's like, it's like, okay, they grow up to be straight or whatever, but do they mm -hmm. love Jesus? That's yeah. what's important. Mm -hmm. um, and you are a lover of Jesus. So that's yes. a huge, like example of just like the fear that most christians have which is just like yeah. we can't give these homosexuals a kid yeah um we want to keep the traditional family yes a traditional family is beautiful but it's only beautiful when jesus is at the center yes it's yes. not beautiful i know a lot of and i've read a lot of testimonies of a lot of the kids that are from gay or straight families coming from highly religious christian families and yeah and and, abu <laughs> and abused in a lot of those families Almost and, all of them. Yeah, almost all of them are. And that's atrocious um, because the parents, as parents, you need to watch your own walk in Christ. Husbands, you are the leaders of the family, and you need to be praying to your Lord to guide you, to guide yourself, your conscience, and your family. And that's not happening. When I grew up and knowing that I wanted a family one day, like, it was like I wanted, like I knew what I was lacking because of my, you know, I had gay parents. So I knew what I wanted and I just wanted to make sure I found someone that wanted the same thing. So when I met my husband of today as well, he came from very traditional background. He's, his parents are from both from Europe, different countries in Europe, but both traditional, but not strict, strict European. And he grew up traditional and that's, I was really attracted to that. Like someone who wants a family and kids and would work hard because I, I know I know I wouldn't settle for a guy who didn't work hard for his family because my dad didn't give my mom child support and my mom worked her ass off you know sorry <laughs> she worked her butt off to support me and uh, I wouldn't have it any other way with a person that I was married to you know and that's you know that's really interesting speaking of you know your family do you when when you had um when you were growing up you you didn't have a specific religion that you were taught like your mom no. was your mom wasn't a christian she she was brought up probably protestant um family scottish background on my mom's side so um that's but when you but, when you but were growing no, up no no like nothing they didn't teach you at nothing. all about god nothing nothing so then how did how was your first encounter mm -hmm. with god when did you first learn about god and what what was that like for you were did you even have an interest i remember um, we talked a little bit about this beforehand, um, yes. just us personally. You did have a connection to the spiritual world, and yes. you knew that the spiritual was real. Tell me about that. Um, I knew it was real. Uh, well, I get it will happen when my encounter with the stuff I saw as a child would have been kind of 
solidified when I spoke to my husband, who's my now husband, he was my friend, and uh, he evangelized me about Christ, but he had demonic spiritual encounters, and he was the first person in my life who I've ever met that had the same, not the same exact experiences, but it had actually come across demonic encounters, right? Mm -hmm. It's funny, out of all those years I've known people, I've never had like a girlfriend who mentioned she see things or anything. I just was like, oh, so he was kind of someone to explain everything of what I actually saw and made sense of it, right? So I wasn't as, as a child tormented by spirits. I... I am an artist, as you know, and I draw, I drew a lot of dark stuff. So like very, very dark stuff. I didn't draw like houses and kittens and stuff. I drew actually a lot of demonic stuff, um, a lot of it. And that wasn't because of my mom's lifestyle. Like there was no Wiccan, there was no, there was no witchcraft. There was no um, new age. There was nothing in the lesbian environment that we were aware of. My mom wouldn't have anything to do with anything like anything on that, if she had friends that did that, she would excommunicate them um, who were into any kind of seances and stuff like that. So Yeah, because most people, I'm just to interrupt you, interrupt mm -hmm. you for a second. Mm -hmm. Most people, they like to mix um, LGBT with witchcraft. Yeah. And they like to put it together. But there is a separation of people who really are just genuinely mm -hmm. confused about their sexual identity. Mm -hmm. um, or know their sexual identity, know what they want. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's other people who are just like, intertwine the two where they mm -hmm. come because i dated personally when <laughs> i don't know why this would happen to me yeah but every time i would meet a guy he was always a wiccan <laughs> or he yeah. was always in santeria and i'd be like what is going on so now then the new gays how you would say it mm -hmm, the new um, world <laughs> the new world gays they're yeah. they're very much into witchcraft and manifestation and all these different things but mm -hmm. I, th I think that's just honestly a lot of the newer generation as well. Yeah. But, um, well, they have access yeah. to so much too, right? Like uh, the gays in the past uh, had to live a more uh, reclusive kind of life mm -hmm. and just keep to themselves. And most of the time they they weren't like out there and, you know, wearing tutus and things like that. And, like I've been to uh, several gay pride parades in Los Angeles. This isn't like small town. Like I'm from Los Angeles and I've been to um, Shoreline Village gay pride festivals and it was super low-key you had your rave tents you had your cowboy like area like it was all divided uh per actually it was a big like dance club right um for music and stuff so whatever if you're into electronic there was all that so i would always always be at the electronic tent at like eight years old dancing with like you know some there was drags there right and um all the homosexual guys that were really good at dancing, you know, because I wasn't into country as a child. And, you know, I was never mistreated or, you know, I was always well taken. I knew that when I was at Shoreline Village, like alone with a friend of mine, I was the safest place I could be in Los Angeles. So, so. then what was your first like kind of demonic encounter um, mm -hmm. that you had that just like really freaked you out? And you're like, you were like, oh, this is real. Um, like there's a spiritual world. It was... Uh... I would be in grocery stores or just common places like that. And I remember one time I was in the checkout with my mom and there was a guy just putting like eggs and milk on the conveyor belt, whatever. And he kind of just kind of like glanced at me and then looked back at, you know, what he's putting on the counter there. And his face went from like a normal human face to like a demonic face. And I would actually just like start growling at people and my mom be like, stop growling at people. You can't just growl at people. I'm like, but I say, mom, he's like a bad man. And she's like, well, we can't just go around like, you know, doing that kind of stuff. And so <laughs> I would see flashes of that people. And the only thing that freaked me out is there was a movie back in the early 2000s called Devil's Advocate with Keanu Reeves. And yeah. there was a scene from that movie that was exactly what I saw. And I had a nervous breakdown in the theater. Uh, because the 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 Charlie Theron's character was with two friends that were hired, you know, demons, w women possessed with demons or whatever, working for the devil, and they were in a change room, and their faces changed exactly like the people I saw in the real world, and that freaked mm. me out as a kid. And other than that, like my uh, other encounters were usually in my dreams. Yeah, that's really interesting because yeah. I had. Kind of the same thing happened to me, but it didn't start to happen to me until I moved out of my parents' home. 
So um, I'm a huge believer that when you're under your parents' home, you're under their mm-hmm. leadership, you're under their protection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they take precedence over you spiritually, kind of, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you're under them, right? So then when you mm-hmm. move and you get married, you join, you know, with your partner um, through with Jesus and, and marriage and, and you start your own family and then you take precedence because you're yeah. the leader of your family. Mm-hmm. Um, but I left my parents and so I separated myself from them and I ended up moving to New York City, right? Yes, that's right. When I... When I got to New York, um, I started experiencing things that I never experienced before. I would have gut feelings telling me things were right or things were wrong. Mm-hmm. And it was it was much stronger than just like your conscience. It was just like my gut telling me, this is wrong. You cannot do this. Like you can't go there. You can't talk to this person. Mm-hmm. It was really, That's really bizarre. Acute. That's really yeah, acute. It, yeah. And I've never been, I'm not a, I'm not super supernatural, you know, spiritual kind of guy. Like mm-hmm. even when I connect with God now, it's very just through worship. And um, sometimes I'll have, you know, dreams and stuff, but mm-hmm. I, I've never seen demons, never an, mm-hmm. uh, I'm an audio or visual kind of um, spiritual world person. Yeah. Um, and I don't really go looking for those things either. Trust me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when I, when I, when I got to New York, there is these people that would, that would happen to me. Hmm. I couldn't look at them in the eye because it was almost like I could see past their flesh and I could see another face behind them. Okay. It was like an overlay. Um, okay. And it was like demonic. It was like That's evil. That's kind of like what I saw too. Yeah. It's yeah. so weird because you don't physically see it. No. But it's like, it's like you can't, it's like, it's there. It's, it's like, like you can't see it, but it's there. A good indication of time is seeing things out of your peripheral. That's a big Yes, common thing where you're looking straight ahead but you actually see something walk by but right out of that weird lens like where yeah. how the you know how optometry works right and because i have a friend who saw an angel but she's half blind in one eye but she mm. saw the angel with the half blind part because mm. she knows that her peripheral ends like about here but she ended yeah. up seeing something past that that's crazy yeah i just i had never ha- that had that happen to me and I do believe it was because um, I was out of my parents' home. And mm. that used to happen to me all the time. I, I mm-hmm. legit could not look at someone in the eye if that would happen. Oh, and it would happen very often. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, I would have to look away. Mm-hmm. And one time when it was happening, I looked away, I looked down, and the guy who I was talking to had this tattoo that was like a Satanist symbol. Mm, and mm-hmm. then I realized, oh, I'm not going crazy. No, there actually is things behind them. And yeah. I, I was like, so I picked up on that. But then when I came back home to live with my parents again, mm-hmm. after my huge suicidal thoughts and depression, everything yeah. that I went through, my testimony, um, all of that went away. It was mm-hmm. it, like, I don't get those gut feelings anymore. I don't see those things anymore. And mm-hmm. I think like when I separate myself from my parents again, mm-hmm. um, those things are going to like the highly acute, like um, spiritual mm, is going to increase in me when I get married or when I move out, you know, whatever mm-hmm. the case is. Yeah. But anyways, that's really interesting. So mm-hmm. when you spoke to your husband mm-hmm. and he introduced you to Christ, was it like, oh, I'm really hungry to hear about this? Or, you know, what was your experience? What made you want to be like, I want to be a Christian. I want to accept this. Um, I guess I'd have to say like my understanding uh, right off the bat was, and other people need to realize too, that if you don't really know how you're supposed to really know. And I didn't know for a long time, I knew who Jesus was and I knew what he's done for mankind, but it's kind of like, I almost didn't actually know. And I remember I was going to North Shore Alliance church in North Vancouver. And I had some friends that introduced us to that church. And I remember just you know, when the pastor says, like, if anyone needs to come up and they need to be prayed over, like, come to the front of the church, right, and kneel down or whatever, right? And I remember, like, being really afflicted and going and and just bawling my eyes out of the front and almost not knowing why, why I was crying so hard. And my friend who went to the church with us came down and she prayed, uh, prayed over me. And I said to her, like, after we were done... We went back and sat down and the service was over. I I was still a mess because I was like, I'm not getting it. Like, I feel like there's something I'm not getting. And from there, I end up signing up with a home group. And the book that was featured in our home group was Stranger on the Road to Your Mouse. And it was about 
it was like since maybe because I'm an artist I needed that imagery but it was like a gap like a crevasse or like a gap and you're here and God's here and there's no way to cross that gap and then there was a and then the symbol they used was like a cross and because of Jesus' death you were able to walk and he was the one who bridged that gap and I was like oh my gosh I finally get it like all this time it was literally this I just needed to see because I'm so visual I needed to see an image of like what it what is okay he died but like I didn't know what sin was or the idea of it like I wasn't raised Christian right so I wasn't, you know, when my mom told me to not, you know, have sex before marriage, to not do drugs, to not, to be, to be, have a person with integrity, to be kind, to be loving. She didn't say any of these things because she had a God idea to scare me into doing it. She just said, be a decent human being, right? When you, when you do the God scare tactic, if the kids don't know God and, and you as a parent, you're being kind of a douche. And you're a Christian parent being a douche. And that's your only, that's their only model, right? But my mom, through, you know, custody battles, fights with my, my, my father, you know, living, you know, on the verge of impoverishment, she kept her dignity and her stoicism, I guess, throughout all of that. So she was my example, right? And so I just feel that, uh, what I finally understood, I mean, getting to know Jesus is a long process than just like you know, opening up a book and home group at the same time, like you have to enrich your relationship with him. And so, but that was, that's when I was like, okay, I, I know I still don't get it, but now I get exactly what he did. We can't get to God. doesn't matter who we are. He is the narrow gate, um, that we must pass through. And that's how yeah. I figured it out. And so how did you feel now that you had learned about the gospel and you started reading scripture and you started seeing all these things about homosexuality, what were you first thinking? Was it difficult for you to think, oh, God says this is morally wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, How do I feel about my mom now? Am I gonna speak to my mom about this? Am I not? Like, cause you didn't know what sin was beforehand. No. So now it's like, oh, how am I gonna have reconciliation with this? Yeah, that was, I struggled with that for a long time. Um, because I didn't think it was fair and it wasn't until I saw, like I struggled with for many years, right? Cause you gotta think, I just found you on YouTube not too long ago. And the whole idea with gay people seems so unfair, like maybe for alcoholics and drug users or people, whatever other sin there's, it's like easier when it's like, who, like who says it's easier to get off drugs? It's not easy to get off drugs or alcohol either. Right. And that's just me being naive and not knowing any better, but I just struggled with it because, you know, I obviously, I want my mom and people I care about to go to heaven. Right. So I just didn't feel it was fair because I feel that gay people didn't have a choice. And if they were born that way, it was like, then that's the way you are. It was like, um, you know, being born with an arm missing or something like that. Uh, and that's back then. Like I thought people were just born that way. Right. And, uh, and I didn't, and not knowing about sin, like what would I even know at this point? So I struggled with that with a long time. And especially from the words of my dad, you know, he took me to church or tried to take me to church. And it was like, <laughs> I was racially awesome. I was spit on in Sunday school. So for just being mixed race. So it was like church for me, for my dad tried to introduce me around eight or nine years old was not a good experience. And, um, and my, no one was going to mess with my dad. He's like a six foot four black guy. He was in the Navy. Like, no one's going to say anything to him either. So he would say to me, you know, take me back to my mom's. Like, you know, your mother's a lesbian and, you know, she's, she's going to hell then. And I just felt that something was off about that. Like, it just seems so like, okay, so then it's just that easy then. It's just like, well, you're gay. You're just going to hell and you're not. So you're fine. And I, not knowing any concept of sin, you know, my dad is still a sinner, still saying this, right? Everyone who says that stuff is still a sinner, you know? Yeah. And that let's was, talk about that. Yeah. Let's talk about that because we feel, I don't know. I'm constantly, um, same with you. It was really difficult for me mm-hmm. saying that I was living it, but yeah. you, you had someone who was going through it in your life, but me living through it, I, I just kept asking myself, I'm like, it does seem very unfair. Yeah. I didn't choose this. I didn't mm-hmm. choose to have same-sex attraction. 
um, who knows whether it came psychologically or mm -hmm. whether um, I was born with something in my DNA or something. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever happened, I didn't choose it. I'm yeah. just here and I'm dealing with it. So I, for many years, I too was like, God, this isn't fair. But then I realized um, it, if it's homosexuality or if it's um, problems with drugs or if it's a problem with being a thief or if it's a problem with lying, you know, or whatever it is your case, we all have to realize that Jesus has to become the root of everything in our lives. And yes, there's going to be some areas that are going to be easier for some people, mm -hmm. but also just comparison is mm -hmm. wrong too. Mm -hmm. You know, just to say, oh, a straight person has it easier with God because they can go and get married to someone. Yeah. Marriage means nothing. <laughs> if yeah. anything, marriage brings more problems. It does. But we live in a society where we think to ourselves, oh, um, I, I, there's this old Lana Del Rey song, which was just like, um, it's, uh, <laughs> the world was made for two. That's what she says in one mm -hmm. of the lyrics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's, it's kind of like that. It's like everywhere you go, the world is kind of like, it functions for two people. Like if you mm -hmm. go to a restaurant, if you go by yourself, it's just awkward. If you go to the movies, if you go by yourself, mm -hmm. it's just awkward. You know, yeah. so third, we are custom. Third wheels are to, awkward too, right? <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> we're we're custom to just always be doing something with someone else, and society tells us that's our biggest goal, but it's really not our biggest goal. So when no. we compare ourselves to, oh, I'm gay, and this straight person has it easier to follow Christ because they're straight and they can now live a life where everywhere they go they have someone to be with mm -hmm. um that's a wrong comparison yeah because that's an, i thought that too right like i'm like that seems completely unfair right? yeah it, but it's a wrong comparison it's because wrong, yeah. you know what they ha have their issues that you'll never get to go through so for example mm -hmm. for me um i love being single in this season of my life do i believe that one day i'll get married 100 mm -hmm. yes it's been prophesied and mm -hmm. i do believe i'll meet a perfect woman who is gonna love me for who i am and mm -hmm. it's gonna be beautiful and we're gonna start a family that's mm -hmm. one of my goals but if that never happens mm -hmm. i don't care mm -hmm. because i'm like my main goal is jesus yeah. like he is my lover he's my everything and that's the way we need to fix our mind is not comparing ourselves to things or other people who have things that might seem easier. Yeah. When yeah. in reality, it's not easy. Everyone is fighting their own battles. It's a grass you know, is greener mentality as well. You know, whether you're straight or gay or, or whatever sexual identity you, it's, it's, you'll never find perfection in another person. And yeah. people are looking for other people to validate their life or make them happy. When that's yeah. not the case, you have to strengthen your walk with God. And, um, you know, many people who are even straight and not just gay people are not walking with the Lord and, and they're having a hard time. And it, it makes me really sad, you know, because, you know, I've been there, you know, I've, I can't say that I haven't struggled. You're obviously, you've, you've been there as well. The thing is, you know, God's leveled the playing field when everyone who's born into this world is born into sin. That's where this whole, you know, like pointing finger narrative that just doesn't die right but that's the enemy also playing with you like when you do that you're getting played by the enemy in the end if you use your jesus titleship or knowing god titleship to um accuse others to belittle others because somehow you think you're great you're bidding you're getting played in the end right because that's exactly yeah. who wants he wants he wants the most people to be he wants people to be abused by christians or mistreated by christians or whatever right because then it's just going to make everything to do with god and christ look bad god always has a victory in the end we know that right but yes it's uh but i think it's time now like christians need to smarten up and focus on their own walk yes like that's and i think 100 percent it's easier to just look at somebody else and to point out flaws and what they can and cannot do. And that's what we see with Christianity. Mm -hmm. That's why I have you on the show because most Christians are like unacceptable yeah. to lesbian moms, mm. to homosexual dads. Yeah. We have to keep the sanctity of marriage. No, no, no. Yeah. You don't have to do anything. No. God is in control. If God was so like 
adamant about keeping a family, he wouldn't have given us free will. He would have just made us robots. Or He's like animals scared. or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He's not scared of sin. He has a plan in the end and Jesus mm-hmm. is going to be king and he's going to rule. And then from then on, it is going to be perfect and glorious and wonderful, mm-hmm. right? But for this moment, he's given us all free will and we should yeah. also extend grace to other people who are in that position or don't look like the traditional family or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Because once again, we're trying to enforce a morality to people who just don't have those type of convictions and they just won't. And you yelling at them is not going to make a difference. No. How about we self-reflect, we look at ourselves and we ask ourselves, how can I be more humble? Because God gives grace to the humble. How can I look at my flaws and work on me? And in the same time, when I look at my flaws, I can relate to other people who also have flaws Mm -hmm. and learn how to love them better Mm -hmm. instead of, um, because you won't, you won't want to judge someone when you realize, oh, I'm I'm not a prize either. Mm-hmm. I'm no one's reward here. You know, yeah. um, you're not going to. But if you think you're a prize, if you think you're better than you really are, mm-hmm. um, you're going to look at everyone else with judgmental eyes. And yeah. that's what as Christians we really need to do. So one more question. Mm-hmm. How do you now, um, your mom, she's still a lesbian, correct? Yes, she is. How do you now deal with still having a lesbian mom and being a Christian, do you guys get along? Oh, my mom and I have an amazing relationship. Uh, I was a pretty non, I wasn't a very rebellious kid because my mom allowed me to have freedom. She didn't constrict me with things. Uh, And when she told me not to do things, it was always out of logic and not like, because I had a Christian friend who was told the things that I was never told. Like, why would they tell you that? Right. Even though I didn't know who God was. Right. But I'm like, why would they tell you to, you know, not sleep around with boys because you don't want to get pregnant or, you know, why would you want a baby right now or something? Right. Like, it's just your body. I mean, if anything, you know, the lesbian community back then was all about like, you're, you're a young girl, you respect your body. You know what I mean? Like you don't need men to validate you. Like, I don't know what it's like nowadays. It seems like it's, it's, it's now even more free love with the younger generation of just trying all this stuff. And it's like, they weren't like that when I was a kid, they were very much like, you can find your partner and, you know, and do what you want. But like, you know, I had, I've had like, like lesbians like get on the phone and talk to my like boyfriends it was so embarrassing right like you make sure you treat her right and like stuff like that and you know as a kid they taught me about self-respect of my body you know and myself and to just don't do things and so um because of the of the consequences right but i didn't go chasing my feelings the thing is my household my feelings were validated um my hopes and dreams were appreciated. Um, I was loved. Even though my mom was busy with work, I was still loved. She didn't come home and backhand me and do all this stuff or tell me I'm like, you know, worthless, whatever. So the fact that I didn't have these things, I was able to mentally grow as a well-rounded child um, and and to an adult. Not like perfect, but just kind of not have issues where I struggled. I never struggled with self-esteem or feeling like I wasn't good enough or I didn't struggle with, um, you know, I didn't need drugs. I didn't do drugs as a kid because I just didn't like what for. Right. And, you know, a lot of times we do drugs and do those things because we're dealing with all those ugly things that our parents made us feel that way or bullies and stuff like that. So since I didn't have all that stuff, I was a very, very happy kid and, and freedom, physical freedom where I surfed most of my younger life and, being home alone lots like if anything i lacked was you know good dinners on the table and and someone home a lot of the time i was a lock and key kid like from the 80s right so Mm -hmm. but back in the 80s it was a lot safer than it is now you know and we i was just free to go surf ride my bmx like do all that kind of stuff and made sure i was home at a certain time take my dogs rollerblading and life wasn't like insanely difficult like teenagers nowadays they make their lives and especially i swear like the trans they make their lives more difficult with all the stuff they siphon into their heads from the yeah. internet opposed to just like just living you know they can't nobody yeah. can just live anymore right so yeah. not just christ you know, interceding on their behalf and knowing who he is, they have, it's like their cup is getting overflowed 
and mm-hmm. you know it, everyone's getting hard to reach yeah so then how would you say now um let's say somebody is in their lives right now um has a family member or someone who is dealing with homosexual attractions. I've talked about this. Mm-hmm. What do you think your opinion is? How should you treat that person? Do you tell them about God? Do you not tell them about God? Do you tell them that they're going to hell? Do you not? Um, what do you do? Like, what do you personally do for your mom? Well, God knows my heart and I love her to death. And so I just leave my mother in God's hands. Like, there's nothing I can do to convince her anything she has to have that you know as as i like to call like the hammer of thor revelation where your just eyes are opened your eyes have to be open their eyes have to be open and you know that and and if and that like like i said earlier that god levels a playing field we have to understand that when we see someone doing wrong we have to understand to come to Jesus, we have to know we were already wrong and worthless and sinners already. So you just have compassion on that person and pray for them. Pray that God will intercede at some point in their life. Because you know what? Say I had like a younger sister who is a lesbian and struggling or a lesbian and living fine, right? Um, it doesn't matter. They could be a, She could be straight and living awful and straight and living fine fornicating, whatever, right? She can be in her marriage and she can be, you know, there's adultery or whatever. It doesn't matter. Everyone's going to, everyone's going to have something, right? I just know that what happens is that we're all mortals and at any point in time I can die and my opinion is dust. It's dust. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, in the end, I died in a car accident and who knows from my, if I prayed about that person, that at that point, at some point in their life, 20 years later, they came to Christ. Like, I'm not yeah. going to know, you know what I mean? And I may not know, and then that's okay. So we have to know that everything is, uh, what is it? Everything is kind of up in the air. Like, it's only God's time, God's yeah. went, God's will, everything. And we can't will our will into people's lives. Yeah, everything has to be Holy Spirit-led. Mm-hmm. And the Holy Spirit is patient Mm-hmm. is gentle is kind i'm telling i love the mm-hmm. fruits of the spirit yes, because yes whenever you bring up the fruits of the spirit to religious people it's like <laughs> you know they, they got nowhere yeah. to go no they got they, they gotta say something <laughs> yeah it's you like, gotta no, say you... something you gotta control you gotta manipulate the situation to have your way or you got to scare them mm-hmm. into believing in jesus it's another thing it's just like mm-hmm. we scare people into the idea of like oh if you don't accept jesus you're gonna go to hell but actually we should be telling people do you know that there is a beautiful love that is waiting for you in Jesus? Mm-hmm. Like, don't scare people into just accepting Jesus so they can avoid hell. Mm-hmm. They probably would never encounter Jesus anyways and then still end up going to hell, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. just saying it with their with their mouth. Yeah. But if you tell people about how much love Jesus has to offer, and they not only you just telling them, you just showing it. Mm-hmm. Like people, they 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 care more about, for example, how you treat them than what you say. You know. Yeah. So if exactly. you're showing the beautiful love of Christ, they're gonna be like, oh, I actually believe you because you don't just talk about the beautiful love of Christ. Like you've shown me what the beautiful love of Christ mm-hmm. looks like. Yeah. So it's really beautiful. I mean, I love I I I've loved having you on the show and just showing that you're an amazing example of what it looks like that, you know, there might be a child that has two lesbian moms or two homosexual dads and they grow up just fine, obviously having normal issues like everybody has issues mm-hmm. um, and they end up receiving Christ too. You know, nothing is too far gone for for Jesus. Nothing is too far gone for yeah. God. So um, how would you say like uh, last words or last thoughts, um, what what is something that you feel like Christians need to know about your situation and what, what you've been through? To know that that even myself who grew up in this lifestyle and not having any real like truthful access to who Christ was, you know, I don't know who prayed for me. I don't know if God just like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna see what that one thinks about me, you know? Um it's it's been a long journey, that's for sure, and it has its ups and downs, and I feel that people need to just have patience uh, with other people. People need to have patience with themselves. I think a lot of it's looking inward to making sure, because 
you know, our, our hearts, you know, before we come to Christ, our hearts are kind of black or icy or how much ice, you know, God's got to pick off of that heart. Right. And he has to move in there and you have to allow him. It's not like knowing, Oh, I believe in Jesus. He died for my sins. So now I'm going to now look to my neighbors and all that they're doing wrong. Cause I already know I'm going to heaven. It's like, you have another thing coming. If that's what you believe, you need to make sure that your walk with God is sound. Mm-hmm. It's a daily thing. And, you know, I got to the point where, you know, it was very hard. I've been there. I've been hard there when it's hard to read the Bible. Right. And you have to be, I mean, for me, it was being, becoming rock bottom you know, to start reading the word. And the more the enemy tells you lies about who God is big Mm -hmm. time. And I got a book from someone it's called God. I want to know you. And that was a huge eye opener, this book, because a lot of people, you know, you see all this bad stuff in the world and you're like, why, well, how do I deal with this? You know? And prayer is your weapon. Like you're not supposed to fight. God is the one who does the fighting. And if people have strongholds in their life with sin, there's something behind that holding onto them in in regards to, I'm not talking about like, like possession or stuff like that. I'm talking about that. Everyone comes with a stronghold that they get, they acquire, they go out and chase or whatever. And it becomes a stronghold, right? Like, I'm not saying like babies have strongholds and stuff like that. Like we develop this stuff and we allow things into our life or we do things that allow sin into our life. And then people who Mm -hmm. don't mess with witchcraft, don't sleep around or whatever. And you get people who are, you know, virgins or who don't, but they're still, they, they, they still, they're still sinners. You know what I mean? And sometimes those people wish something bad would happen so they can have that. And a lot of the people who've had bad stuff happen, they're like, you don't want to wish that if you can refrain from being affected emotionally and physically from the harm that other people have, that's beautiful. And that's okay. Right. So the main thing is always just Prayer is prayer is prayer. Prayer is going to be the one that's going to make the way for, for example, your mom. And then also just Mm -hmm. releasing things up to God. Yeah. Like Like letting letting... go. And even, even if you have like, say you haven't looked at your own walk and you're struggling with like a aunt or sister who has, it's like, it's not about what you think about them. God knows what he thinks about them. And that's important. You need to just ask your own self, like, what am I struggling with? Where can I find grace? Speak to God before you speak to other people. That is so important. If I can say, if I can leave anything with this conversation is if you feel, because sometimes if you're wanting so badly to talk to somebody about whatever they're doing wrong, a lot of the time that is just your flesh. Mm-hmm. And, or self-reflection and, too. Yeah, self-reflection. Like, or you, you see something that you don't like about that person yeah. because you have it inside of you too. I've, yeah. I've found that the most mm-hmm. homophobic people are the people who are really against LGBTQ, mm-hmm. um, which we should all always have a morality against what we believe to be right. These yeah. people who are like really attacking violent, like yeah. angry, yeah. they're not fruits of the spirit. No. Um, mostly it's because they themselves have things inside of them that are leaning yeah. towards, you know, Gay yeah, it's called projecting. Isn't it? Isn't this just called projecting? projecting? Yeah, sorry, yeah, self-reflection. Projecting. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, they haven't self-projected, self-reflected uh, because they're projecting at that point. But even yeah. just having lots of self-righteousness and thinking yeah. that you need to say something to somebody when all you need to do is just pray about it. If so, it's almost pray like yeah, if someone's going through something and you feel it's wrong, if anything, you should have love and fear for that person and concern not judgment. Yeah. You need to say, you know, God, so they're doing something that's going to be detrimental and harmful to their life, whether it's yeah. drugs or, you know, you know, and like, you knowing, you knowing that no matter what you say is not going to change that behavior. No, it's just, exactly. it's you being Holy spirit led to prayer and then yeah. letting the Holy spirit make the way, make the path, make the opportunities for you yeah. to enter in once you've loved that person. Yeah. So, um, that's, you know, it's, it's really beautiful. I'm so glad to have you on and I'm so glad to have these types of conversations because there's so many people out there who are just so against everything. And we really have to open up our minds a little bit to say, mm-hmm. Oh wait, God is in control. God mm-hmm. knows what he's doing in this child's life. God knows what he's doing with those two lesbians people. You know, you never know what. You're not God. That's mm-hmm. that's the whole thing. The only thing that as Christians we've been called to do is to instruct people. Number one, to, 
tell people about the gospel, the good news, yeah, and to to love people and to love God, and then also to make learners, to make disciples. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know how to love yourself, you haven't taken care of your issues, mm-hmm. then you won't be able to make learners. You won't be able to make disciples because you won't be able to love them. No, and not at all. you can't love yourself if you haven't accepted the love of mm-hmm. Christ because that's all he does. He just literally mm-hmm. wants us to know that he loves us. Well, that's it, the gospel. Exactly. And being guided by the Holy Spirit when God does, the Holy Spirit does prompt you to say something. If the Holy Spirit speaks through you, it's going to be way more impactful than your own flesh speaking to them. Like if you speak exactly. out of your flesh, you're gonna mess up. <laughs> like I guarantee, exactly. you know. Yeah. Yeah. And most people trust me when you when I, I I really have seen that the issues are really the least things that we need to focus on. Mm-hmm. It's really how we can accept the love of Jesus and how we can walk in that love and how we can get closer to Jesus that the issues start to fade away. And I think mm-hmm. I think that's what religion focuses too much on these issues to the point where I have to go on YouTube and make a whole video about a, a woman who has two lesbian um, moms yeah. because we're so issue-oriented instead yeah, of... Yeah. And this video is going to do a lot better than if I went on the internet and just talked about God's love because yeah. some people are so consumed with just issues. Yeah. But that's why we do what we do yeah. to point people to hate it's not about the issues. It's not about the homosexuality. It's not mm-hmm. about the sin. It's mm-hmm. about the good news. It's about the love of Jesus. Let's yeah. fall more in love with him. Yeah. So thank you so much, Nicole, for You're coming welcome. on this show. You're welcome. <laughs> I love having you. I love having you as a friend. Um, you do some Twitch streaming where you're currently an artist right now. Yes. So, so yeah. you're married. You have kids. Yeah. A wonderful, beautiful family. Yeah. Christian family. Yes. And you also stream on Twitch. Yes. Tell me just a little bit about that before we go. Uh, yeah, I'm a character designer. Uh, I was a character designer for television for many years back in the early 2000s. And I have been drawing my whole life and my husband as well, most of his life. And we're both in that industry. Um, and yeah, I just draw live for people and it's a lot of fun. And it literally brought me back to like, you know, being, being a mom, I love being a mom, but I found that, and, and I used to go to comic cons and stuff like that and do, and do like just meet people. I love meeting people. I love meeting other artists. And so I find that Twitch is an amazing platform to meet other artists and yeah. just meet people, help people, reach out to people. I love talking to people, see how their day was. Like I just, I have such passion for people. I could just, I, yeah. I'm a, that type always sees the good in people, you know, and, and wants, and wants the best for others, you know? So where can people find your Twitch? Uh, BMX Shark Art. BMX Shark Art. Yes. All right. Awesome. And yeah. I'll soon be joining you yes. on Twitch too. And yeah. we can probably hopefully collaborate. I yeah. just started a Twitch channel. I haven't put anything on there. I'm just <laughs> testing things I know. out. It's always slow. <laughs> the slow startup, right? Yeah, but I'm so excited to jump on there and kind of do my own little thing too. My username currently on there is Burritos and Jesus. I love it. I absolutely love it. <laughs> I'm going to be talking about food and Jesus at the same time, making good Christian entertainment. Nice. All right, guys. Thank you so yes. much once again for joining us on the Christian in Progress podcast. I really mm-hmm. hope that you've walked away with something um, on this interview about how to evangelize to people um, who are dealing with same-sex attraction or who are homosexual and gay. Um, And I hope it's opened your mind a little bit more about how God is willing to work even in the unconventional family traditions that we might have, um, that he's able to rescue and able to pour himself out on Nicole who had no opportunity from both her parents Um, to hear from God. I mean, kind of her dad, but (laughs) anyways. So thank you guys once again for joining us on this episode and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you.